Each year, more than 12 million people will hear the same three devastating words. You have cancer. I'm Lee Silverstein, a survivor of pediatric kidney cancer and stage four colon cancer. My amazing wife, Linda, has taught me that we have cancer because every one of us is affected by it in some way. Survivors, family, friends, and medical and support team members. And we all have a story worth telling. Welcome to We Have Cancer. Welcome to episode 122 of We Have Cancer. Thank you so much for joining me. And, you know, thank you for your incredible support of We Have Cancer. It's been about a year since we changed the name of the show to We Have Cancer. It was formerly known as the Colon Cancer Podcast. And as you know, we made that decision to broaden our reach, not just our audience, but also the guests that we can bring into the show by continuing certainly to put an emphasis on colorectal cancer, which is what I've been dealing with for the last eight years, but also to share the inspiring and informative stories of those touched by other forms of cancer. Because at the end of the day, all of these stories tend to be very relatable no matter what type of cancer you have. And again, the response to the show has been fantastic. And for that, I am truly grateful. The easiest way to stay up to date when new episodes come out is to make sure that you've subscribed to the show using your favorite app that you use to listen to music. The quickest way to subscribe to the show is just visit the following site, which is pod.link forward slash we have cancer show. Again, that's pod.link forward slash we have cancer show. When you visit that site, select the way you prefer to listen to podcasts and music, and you will be subscribed to the show, and you will receive an alert each time a new episode is released. Interesting guest we have this week, Sean Watson. Sean lives in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and he is a stage four lymphoma survivor. And a truly inspiring story, Sean talks about how he went from barely being able to walk 300 steps a day to now cycling over 150 miles each week. Cycling has become not only his passion, but his therapy. And he doesn't take it too seriously, as you can tell by the name of his website. You can find Sean by visiting world's okayest cyclist. Com. OK, not the abbreviation OK, but OKAY. So again, that's world's OKest cyclist.com. You can also find him on all the social media platforms Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook by searching OKest Cyclist. Join me now for my conversation with Sean Watson. Sean, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for making the time to join me today. How are you doing? I'm doing well, thank you. So I got to start with what originally caught my eye when I started following you on Instagram was was your handle, the world's okayest cyclist. You know, so many people these days are so braggadocious and call themselves things like ninjas and gurus and and the world's greatest. And you went with the world's okayest. <laughs> Where did that come from? You know, it's been going around people. It's a, you can buy t-shirts and things, but what it came from for me when I saw that, what it meant to me was I, I'm a stage four lymphoma survivor. 
I struggled severely with it, didn't get to finish my chemos, uh, only made it through five and came out alive. And I attribute that to my faith mostly, but to as well was that I exercised throughout. And it drove me to realize that staying fit was important, but I don't have to be Arnold Schwarzenegger. I'm just Sean. And so I approached cyclists because it was low impact. I have to back up and tell you, I had such a traumatic chemo and recovery process that at that point, I was only able to walk 300 steps a day. That included going to the bathroom. I was connected to a 100% breather respirator for about two months, but a month at my home with a hose long enough to take me to the bathroom, to take a shower, to bed at night, everything. So being impeded that way, I realized sitting, uh, as we talked earlier, as a couch potato, I was growing on that couch. Uh, people had to put the lazy boy chair down for me, and I didn't like that. I had played amateur golf. I, I owned a construction company that worked in seven states, raised four kids. I was always active. In that activity, I was 209 pounds. And so I just started realizing my health. I wasn't being a good steward throughout this process. So I started riding a bike because it was low impact after I got up to 2,800 steps in a day and, and started doing this. But I approached people and said, hey, about this cycling, it's great. They were very standoffish. People unfortunately are very prideful as you hit on it world's greatest i'm a guru let me consult to you you know pay me i'll tell you and it bothered me i started off with like everybody else with a walmart walmart bike that cost me 50 bucks because i didn't know i wanted to get into it and they were all looking down on me so i thought you know this is why people don't do this mm. they they don't want to buy the equipment because they're embarrassed they're starting from scratch nobody wants to help them so i started world's okay as cyclist with the dream that that I can get people just to be okay. And, and you know what? It's great to be okay because you feel okay today, don't you? I do. And it's, and it's great. And, and so, you know, it's wonderful to have a celebrity star. You know, my, my little brother, he's my half brother, is a celebrity. Fan is short for fanatic. I don't want fanatics in my life. I want people that I'm helping and that people that help me, a support group. Because as you know, with what you're going through, the number one question people ask me, when they saw that I had cancer in my church, in my family, in my community, how did you know you have cancer? It wasn't, how are you feeling today? I hope you're going well. It's their own fear. How did you know? How can I know? That's what they want to know. Sure. I've had five people in my family with cancer. I'm the only survivor. Wow. And, and so when the doctor told me, I walked in in October 2013, I, and it's just me, I was playing amateur golf in a four-day tournament, hadn't been sick in seven years, told my wife I'd been praying, and uh, I didn't feel well, but I didn't have anything. Yeah, I was moving around, playing golf, doing everything, and I just told my wife that I'd been praying, and I had cancer, and I pointed to where I thought it was in my abdomen. Of course, I thought, thought it was a little golf ball-sized thing, found out it was the size of a, a basketball in my abdomen, in between the stomach and the abdomen, hiding, as well as three others in my back. It was in my lymphatic system. Told me if I didn't start within two weeks, I wouldn't make it through the end of the year. And this was what year? October 2013. So I'm getting ready to celebrate my fifth year clean. And, and so he said to me, I said, well, what happens if I start today? 50-50 chance. Really great way to start your treatment. You know, it's right. yeah, welcome to the world. No more Marcus Welby's. That's the problem. You know, it wasn't any bedside <laughs> manner. It was all technical. But we started that day and I went through, like I said, and it was a tough treatment. And I realized very quickly that if I had broken a hip after, which I have broken my knee in nine places as well, 
both of those times I went to physical therapy aftercare. When I received chemo, I went through terrible things, you know, like anybody else. It's a, it's an exciting, but it's frightening time. You know, the people that didn't want to come around because they were scared that I was ill, you know, didn't know how to talk to me. You know, you go through a lot of mental as well as physical. And when you get done, they say, Hey, you're in remission. See you later. There is no aftercare. There is no, you should stay fit. Let's eat these things. There's no, go see this person. There's a support group. And, and you try to talk to your spouse or anyone else. They saw it from a different angle. Sure. And so the world's okay. A cyclist is a group for people, whether it's heart cancer, whatever. I know cancer very well, so I can attribute to that, but I'm hoping to expand, but is to have a group that helps you get fit, suggest diet things, gives you support in that area because that growth, that atrophy, all that mental atrophy, everything that's set in is got to be cleaned up. And, and where does a person who probably didn't even do that in the beginning, let's be realistic. Have you taken the best care of your body? Not until, you know, the last few years. Yeah. And, and that's the key. Nobody's taught us. We don't think about it. We get up. We're, we're an automatic pilot. We get up, we go to work, we take care of the kids. We go to bed at night. We go to do it again tomorrow. So I came up with live your life. Don't just maintain it because that's all we're doing is maintaining our life. And until my cancer, until I got a reset on life, and I'm a positive thinker, man, that the glass is half air and half water. It's full to me. You know, it's never empty. And, and so I just believed in my faith and just wanted to reach out to help people to feel the same way. It's I'd go into my chemo and there'd be 200 people in there waiting to get treated. It was it's that horrendous. And I see the looks on their faces. There's people that look like they're going in to be put down that day, like like your dog at the vet. I'm sorry, but it's that realistic. And then there's people that are cheerful and and you can tell that they are not in the best of health but they've come to a peace they they have a support group and i really firmly believe that there are people that didn't make it that should have that but they gave up yeah and, and it's and it's you know and so that's really what it's all about it's i i found that the support and i'm sorry to say this but if you really look at the facts cancer patients a lot of divorces but it's very traumatic on strain on their marriage. Absolutely. A lot of friendships lost because even myself, where, where we lived, and I'm going to be very frank about it, I had in-laws across the street. I had a 40-member men's ministry in my church. And I'm going to be very, very honest about something. In two years, I was in two years of total treatment, homebound and hospital-bound. My pastor only came to visit twice, once only because he happened to be in the neighborhood, and rarely if any, did I ever get a call? The, and it's, I think it's not a lack of care. It's a fear. It is. What do I say when I call this individual? No doubt. And, and, and that's a shame. And because then what happens as the person you build this wall and you say, these people don't care. And, you know, it becomes this vicious circle. A hundred percent. And, and so how do we do that? How do we fix that? It's awareness. And so I'm doing this and, and I'm working with the software guy. Uh, it's called uh, Conquer Challenges. It's an event where you virtually can walk, ride or anything and go do. I did Route 66, 2083 miles and you get postcards along the way. And so we're trying to do one. It's like a tour for the cure. I'm designing a, a lap around the United States. 
and it'll be a fundraiser that anybody that pays the $35 to $50 to do it, you get a medal at the end, a certificate. But during that trip, the postcards will have awareness information because that's important to all of us. I want to be aware. So if one of my kids looks like they have symptoms, if I am aware of it, then I know. And I want this to be something that the money goes to funding. But what happens is it makes people active and aware of the symptoms and the things that we go through. We can have testimonials of, of survivors and warriors. I call people going through the treatment so that people will know how they feel and what to think about without having to ask. Is there a place online, Sean, where people can get information about this? I have a blog that I'm working on that I'll give you info for, but there's it's worldsokayacyclist.wordpress.com, and I'm, I'm moving towards that. I'll be honest, it's in limbo because I'm just branded with, I've signed a contract with Amgen. Mm-hmm. Nulasta was the drug I took during my cancer treatment. I'll be speaking before the uh, National Oncologist Association this January. Terrific. And then also the National Nursing Association in May. And to give a, they want me to give a cancer patient's perspective to tell the doctors exactly what I'm telling you, where, ha, what happened to Marcus Welby. And I wrote a letter <laughs> and here's what I want to tell people. If you, you know, Gandhi said it, uh, you know, be the change in the world you want to see. All this started because I was sitting there and I said, I kept saying, I got to do something. There's, there's too many. I watched my father die. I've watched this happen. And, and I said, there's, you know, the cure. Great. That's a great thing. But what do we do about it now? There's people sick and people trying to recover. That's important. Even if we get a cure, there's going to have to be people that recover. And so we still need something in place for this regardless. So I wrote a letter to Amgen that said, I survived. Now what? That was my subject line. Mm-hmm. And, and I told them, I said, they have a great program called Breakaway from Cancer. But then that's because they promote a tour of California. It's a cycling event. And I get it. I said, but you missed it. How are you getting someone to break away? You you just told me I'm cured, but you didn't help me break away from it. I live now the rest of my life thinking, is it going to come back? Oh, my God, I have the flu. Is this a symptom? You, right. you live in this fear and, and there's nobody there telling you, no, it's not that. These are going to be natural things. And, you know, you start out going biannually and then semi-annually and they just do some blood work, but never once. And I've gone to George Washington Hospital, good places. They're technical, man. They're there to help me get through cancer, not to help me recover mentally. He's not a psychiatrist. I don't expect that of him, but he should say, here's a list of people to call. Right, and, right. and so that's what we're trying to create. And so back to that, the the Conqueror events, that is a really neat challenge that you can do now for other things. And so I called him and, and it's great how I'm a believer in this, that God puts you in place with people. He was a PE teacher that just saw the need because people weren't getting up and moving. So he created an app. And, and it's a great app. Uh, you can literally do yoga, work in your yard, whatever you're physically capable of. And it will go from your activity tracker to there. And you can see where you're at on the map. You can virtually see where you would be on that path with your mobile phone or anything. So it puts you in a motivational spirit. And you get these encouraging postcards to say, hey, you just passed such and such. And, and a remembrance. But the medal is literally a solid medal that says, I did this. Wow. Is this an app that's available now? It is. It's called uh, My My Mission. So I'll, again, I'll tell you, but it's on the iOS and Google. There's Android. I'm an Apple guy, so it's on Android as well, and and it's on the web, and it's a it's a really good app. So I'm working with them, a local bike shop, and I teamed up, like I say, with Amgen and then another company, HRV for training, which is really good. It's a heart rate variability because since they don't 
tell you physical therapy, I learned it. I track all my vitals and, and I became very in tune with my body. I definitely eat different than I used to. You know, Roost Chris 22 ounce steak is no more for Sean. You know, I, I, <laughs> I, we eat a lot of rice and vegetables and meats, but it, it's all of a sudden I just became very aware of, of the way I grew up versus the way I was living. Well, I can tell, you know, because we're a video right now and, and I, obviously I get to see you and before our conversation, you shot me a few photos and there was one of you on a golf course pre-cancer and it definitely looks like two different guys. Oh yeah. What, what is it about 50 pound difference? Well, let's put it this way. Back in that picture, I was 209. Today I'm about 159. 50 pounds. And, yeah. And, and I ride, so good guess. And I ride, uh. I do cycling. I have a bike that I made that purposely is not a fancy road bike. It is a, what we call a fitness bike that I've turned into a road bike and, it, and I ride it 25 miles and I'll, and you know, that's a standard ride for me. And I do it at about 17 plus 17 to 20 something miles an hour throughout the trip. And that's from a guy I've been doing that for a year. That's what I've achieved in a year a guy that couldn't even walk with 300 steps in a day. And, and I just, I, I try to tell people, man, I'm no different than you. You, you reap what you sow, get out and move little by little and it, it'll become much. And, and it just your spirit gets lifted when you get out and just take those first few steps and move and say, okay, I did 500 today, tomorrow it's 501. And that's what I told myself every day. It's 10 more tomorrow. And, and it happened. My wife would drive me to the mall and we would walk the mall. And I would have to sit and take breaks, but I would do it. And I'd say, I took one less break than I did yesterday. And that's the key. You know, I think it's really important that we define this for the listeners because someone's going to hear these, you know, wonderful pieces of advice and go, well, that's just so much more than I can do. And, and that's the whole concept behind okayist. You know, if today is walking to the mailbox, that's great. That's fantastic. Tomorrow, can you walk to the mailbox and 10 steps further, right? That's right. You didn't jump on the bike your first day and go do 50 miles. No, I will tell you that I rode, I got my bike. And when I went to say, other than my neighborhood laps, I said, I'm going to venture out and ride. I rode 7.3 miles. It took me an hour and I thought I was going to die. I honestly didn't think I was going to make it home. I rode. I live about two miles to the beach. So I rode to the beach at a fat tire mountain bike. So I rode to the beach, rode along the beach and rode back. I was exhilarated. But when I got home, I thought I was dying. So I said right then, I said, my goal is to do on my anniversary, July 9th. I might, that's when I got uh, remission information. So I said on my anniversary, I'm going to ride 10 miles and I'm going to do it in less than 45 minutes. Instead, I pushed myself and pushed myself. That was in May. I exercise and exercise. So that July 7th, because I got too excited to wait, I rode 33 <laughs> miles. It took me two hours and 38 minutes. I did it at 14 something miles an hour. And then I said, I'm going to do a hundred miles. So this April 13th is be my first hundred mile ride. And my goal is to do it at 17 plus miles an hour the whole time. Fantastic. Wow. So wow. The, the, what the point of that is, is if uh, Henry Ford said it, and I'll do it in my own version because I'll never get it exactly right. But if you think you can, you can. If you think you can't, you yeah. can't, you're done. Don't do it. You know, and, and so, you know, don't talk yourself out of it before you try. And just like you said, so if I have to use a walker to get to the mailbox, get to the point where I can still go to the mailbox without the walker. 
and just yep. keep pushing. Make uh, what we call obtainable goals. If yeah. you if you set ten tasks and you only get eight done, you still did good, but your brain says I didn't finish. If you said eight and you did them and did two more, you're far more excited. And, and so if I say today I want to do five hundred steps, and all of a sudden I do five hundred one, wow, I did it. And, and and that's the goal is to just be obtainable. Don't don't say I want to be just like Sean. Be just like you and be okay. Great advice, you know. Be sure to stick around to the end of this episode to learn how you can get your rear in gear. You do what you can and try to do more than you've done. And I think the quote helped me here was whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. That's right. I think that's kind of how it goes, something like that. And I did an interview a few years back on this show with a friend of mine, Jean DiCarlo Wagner, and she specializes in yoga for, for cancer patients. And she even does sessions for people who can't get out of a recliner or can't get out of bed on how to do yoga there. And even that is is better than nothing, you know? So I think the message to really leave our listeners with is try to do a little bit more every day, whatever that is, whatever right. that is, it's going to be, it's going to be better. And I want to get into, go back a little bit to something you touched on, Sean, and that is the common theme I, I've experienced at firsthand. Virtually every guest I've spoken to has said the same thing about dealing with others. And, you know, people don't know what to say, so they say nothing. Uh, there was some TV show uh, that was on in the background at my home yesterday. I don't even remember what show it was. My wife was watching and I heard the line, how come you didn't come see your father in the hospital? And the woman said, oh, I, don't, I just don't do hospitals. It, it's that kind of theme. And like you said, it's not a matter of people don't care, but they don't know how to, how to process it, how to handle it. If someone's listening to this and in their own privacy says, yeah, that's me, I'm that person that, that can't deal, doesn't know what to say, well, let's help them. Let's you and I help them. Give them some tips on, on how to help someone who's going through a challenging time rather than running away. What are your thoughts? I, you know, I, I, think it's, I think their fear lies in that they just realize they're mortal too. Because they're your, you, if they're your friend, we we get the the stereotype birds of a feather. And so, if I'm someone that that congregates around you, we either like the same hobby, something. So I am like you. All of a sudden, I got sick. Oh my gosh, I could get sick. It's not selfishness, but your fear is I need to stay away from that. I'm going to catch it, you know. And so that's the thing. It's not it's not going to be passed on to you, and you're not going to. It hurts more to stay away for both of you. So when you see them, you know what? That's love if you break down because you look at them and sorry, and they've lost their hair. They're sick. They need your love then just as much as they did before. And mm -hmm. I think that that's the fear is, is people don't know how to express love anymore. We've lost that. And, and the day I come from a town of about 1,500 folks, Baghdad, Florida, that area where I grew up is, that's it. It's farm town and everybody knows everybody. So it's not uncommon to handshake and to hug and to be more cordial because it's a larger open family. When we get into metropolitan areas outside of churches and, and ethnic groups, Italian clubs, things of that nature, they, they don't have that fraternal, that camaraderie that I just see you at the mall and I give you a hug. 
that's lost in today's society because it's weird, you know, and it's, an, uh, it's and I don't understand it, you know, so I think that we need to go back to that, man. It's just embracing each other and showing that we care. And so that fear would be gone if, if it wasn't there. And so we should do it before we're sick. You know, this should be something we, we start working on now. It's even lost in our own families. I got eight grandkids and four kids. And I always was a great father. I thought, you know, going to the football games, taking them to things. But I really didn't. I missed a lot. I, I didn't hug them like I should have. I didn't, you know. So it's a reset. Yeah. I would tell you, I've got a close circle of, of guy friends and we don't hesitate to say, I love you. And yeah. you know, something I've always been comfortable doing in my family, but never with, especially my, my guy friends, but now it, it comes so easy, you know, that's right. it just comes so easy. And I think that's, you know, comes from a lot of places, but certainly coming through cancer to use your word has certainly been a life, a life re- reset, right? Yeah. Yeah. I do some business consulting. Uh, I mean, I'm retired now, but I mess around about six hours a week. And that's one of the things I try to get them to realize is that, you know, as a capitalist, you know, it's what I am. I was a business owner and I sold my business and retired at 48, got sick. And, and, and I, and I look at that and I say, gosh, I was so fixated on hoarding, storing, building for my future that I couldn't even plan for. I was preparing for something I wasn't for sure about that it made me miss out on a lot of things. And and so now I look at things differently. Time is my most valuable resource. I never realized that until I got sick, that time is the only thing I can't buy more of, that no matter how wealthy you, me, or anybody else is, you only get 24 hours in a day. I can't buy three of yours and shortchange you. And so it's it's once it's gone, it's gone. A yeah. bad trip, I can relive. I can go back to the Grand Canyon next year and do the things I missed out on, but life, you can't. And so now I slow down. I enjoy every minute of those 24 hours. And, and that is something that I didn't do. I didn't smell the roses. Do you know, I got a flower garden in the backyard that I mess around with things that I would have never done and that I appreciate more. And, and it's just taking that time to enjoy that and actually proverbial smell the roses, you know, but to see my kids, I pick my grandkids up at the bus stop and walk them home and talk about their day, things that I was too busy to do before. Yeah, no, I, I totally understand where you're coming from. And, you know, we, all of us who've been through cancer or any challenge can talk about how, how we've changed. What do you think has been the biggest change in you post-cancer from the person you were before getting sick, Sean? Well, if I had to be honest, it's, I don't know that I've changed, uh, but I appreciate my appreciation and gratitude for things. My personality hasn't, but I appreciate your time more because I realize time is important. I I have a gratitude for the simple things in life. I I will be very honest. I was very materialistic. I had 72 watches, Rolexes, Cartiers, Longines, you know, you name it. I was a collector. I got rid of everyone. Now I only wear my Apple Watch because it tells my health and it's not for a status, it's that. I got rid of all my jewelry, my wedding ring. So I have a tattoo that's a tie the knot and it says till death because they took my ring when I was in the hospital. And I'd never, even through construction, had never taken it off. And I realized that it's more than just that object. It's a commitment. And, And my wife stood by me through it all. And I said I would stand by her. 
So, so it's just, uh, so the change, I guess, if I look back at that is I got rid of the material views of life and I found that material items are, are not important to me, the car I drive, the things that I had. So I unloaded all that stuff and, and I just went to focusing on people and, and rather than things. Uh, can't do that with words. No, (laughs) it's all good. It's all good. Tell me about what your wife has meant to you through this journey. My wife, there's uh, words will be difficult, but best friend, but but a person that really is selfless and has given, I mean, was taking my plate from my lap because I couldn't carry it to the kitchen. I mean, helping me in the shower, being a person that was better than any of the nurses that I had, but it, it really has grown our relationship. We spend very few minutes apart in our life. We, we don't hang out with friends. We hang out with each other. We go for walks. We cycle together. She's gone through this healing with me. It's helped her. And fortunately, she didn't go through what we we're going through or went through to get this knowledge, but she lived firsthand selflessly. So she gained it as well. And, and that's a person that just helped me model what I'm trying to do because she looked outside of herself and put herself not even second, you know, well beyond that to help me. So. Thank God for our wonderful wives, right? Yes, yes, yes. Uh-huh. And, and and it's something, and I will tell you, even very good wives have divorced their husbands and vice versa through this. It is so traumatic mentally that they, you know, it's very hard to sit and look at a loved one that you could lose mm-hmm. and spend that time, that close personal time with them, gaining, I think as well, and I think you'll attest to this, a deeper love than you even had. Absolutely. Because we don't, we, we never sit and ponder, when am I going to lose my, my partner? I don't care who you are. You don't want to wake up and go, is today the day I lose my partner? Yeah. And, and, and we're faced with that daily going through treatment. Is today the day. And, and we want to value every second of that day in case it is. Absolutely. And, you know, we say it all the time as patients, nobody knows what it's like to go through what we go through as patients and caregivers can say the exact same thing. Yeah. It's because here's, here's the battle back to what we talked about. What should someone say? Yeah. You got to look at the patient sits and says, one, did I do this to myself? Am I the cause of their sadness? I don't want to be a burden to them. So that's our side on their side. They're saying, I don't want them to see me sad. I don't want to be, bring them down. I don't want to be the burden to their sickness. And so it's this vicious cycle of, I don't want to be the one that makes this person sad. Right. It, and so separation is that wall we start building so that we don't let each other see each other's weakness. And and that becomes the, so that's the key exposure weakness. It, it'll make you stronger. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. As someone may be listening to our conversation, Sean, as, as we wrap up here, who either they themselves maybe were recently diagnosed or someone you know, that they love was recently diagnosed and they happen to stumble upon our, our conversation here. What words of advice would you share? <sighs> Ride the damn bike. <laughs> I'm sorry, but it's, it's, it's really, it's get up, walk, live your life. Don't sit and mope about it. If you've got six days, if you got 600 days, enjoy every one of them. Just go about your life, appreciate what you have and, and it'll motivate you, but stay positive, faithful throughout. 
and, and, and live it like it's not the end because you don't know that it is or isn't. And so why would you make that assumption and, and just eat well, live well, enjoy well and laugh often. Great advice. Great advice. I, I love all those suggestions. Sean, where can people find you online? I've got uh, word. My WordPress blog is uh, worldcyclist.wordpress.com. Mm-hmm. Then on Instagram, just I, I like that avenue because it's short and sweet. But World's Okay, a cyclist, they can find me there. And those are the big places right now I'm working on. I'll let you know more as it goes. Okay. And if you could share with me the name of that app, I'll be sure to include uh, links to all of these in the show notes with today's episode at wehavecancershow.com. So uh, people can uh, go there and find all the information. Okay. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate you spending some time with me today. First and foremost, congratulations on five years. That's a heck of an accomplishment and one that I'm shooting for. I know a lot of our friends are too. So I wish you uh, nothing but the best and continued good health and the best for uh, the coming year. We're recording this early December 2018, but this is going to come out probably early 2019. Nonetheless, I want to wish you and yours a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year and wish you all the best. All right. Thank you. Thanks again. You take care. All right. The Colon Cancer Coalition is sponsoring several events around the country that I want to share with you. First coming up on Saturday, April 27th for our friends in the Pittsburgh area. Shout out to Jim Huber, Stacy Hurt. Hopefully you guys will be there at Save Our Butts. This is taking place at Elizabeth Fire Hall in Elizabeth, Pennsylvania. Saturday night, April 27th, beginning at 5 p.m. A great event featuring food, fun, and entertainment, pasta, music, a DJ, silent auction, all kinds of fun things for the kids as well. Admission for adults is $30, kids is $15. Hopefully our friends in and around the Pittsburgh area will be able to join us for Save Our Butts. And there are two Get Your Rear in Gear 5K Run Walk One Mile Fun Runs coming up in May. The first one is Sunday, May 19th, right up the road from me in Orlando, Florida, at Bill Frederick Park at Turkey Lake. Again, that's taking place on Sunday, May 19th. And on the following Sunday, May 26th, for our friends in Wichita, Kansas, your Get Your Rear and Gear event is taking place at Farm and Art Market Plaza. For information on these and all other events sponsored by the Colon Cancer Coalition, visit their website at coloncancercoalition.org. Thank you for listening to We Have Cancer, and thank you to our sponsor, the Colon Cancer Coalition, for your support. You can subscribe to We Have Cancer by visiting Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, or Spotify. And you can find us on social media by visiting our Facebook page at We Have Cancer Show and at We Have Cancer Pod on both Instagram and Twitter. We Have Cancer is a proud supporter of Genie's Blue Angels, providing financial support to those affected by colorectal cancer.